This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my co-host, Brie Tucker. Well, hello, hello, everybody. How are you? <laughs> and we have a guest that we've been looking forward to for a while. Yes, I was on the podcast. very excited about this because this is a topic that Brie has, I feel like a fifth grader <laughs> who has a lot of questions about the birds and the bees. And nobody's answered my questions. No, and Brittany did. Brittany did. She was phenomenal. So our topic is about the birds and the bees, pretty much. Yes, it's about how to talk to our kids about sex in a positive light. And Brittany McBride, she is Associate Director of Sex Education at Advocates for Youth. And she supports school districts and youth serving adults to provide complete, inclusive sex education. She helps parents and caregivers provide fact-based complete sex education in a non-shaming and affirming way. We love that. And Brittany is also a mom. She has an eight and a five-year-old. This is a great episode, and we hope you enjoy our conversation with Brittany. So we are getting back to school, and this school year is unlike anything we've prepared for before because we're coming back after virtual learning. And I know how many fears you have right now have your kids lost ground in school? Are they ready to like go back to school and like socialize with other kids again? And how can you make sure that you help them start this school year on the best foot possible? Well, we heard you and we're bringing back our week-long event, Homework Simplified. It is live and it is not to be missed. You can go and sign up at knowyeltmom.com backslash homework. And now, on with the show. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. 
We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast, Brittany. We we are so excited about this conversation and to have you here. So welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. I am excited to be here with both of you. (laughs) And for our listeners who may not know who you are, can you give us a little bit about you and your story? Yeah, my name is Brittany McBride. I use she, her pronouns, and I am the Associate Director of Sex Education at a national nonprofit based in Washington, D.C., I also wear the hat of a parent. So I am, I have two small kids who are eight and five. So I get to ensure that young people all over the country are getting access to really great sex ed and the really tough job of making sure that my two kids are also getting the sex ed that they deserve as well. That's awesome. I just, I'm curious how people get into certain things. How did you get into this? Were you little and you were like, this is what I want my career to be. I want to talk about sex ed. How, how did that come to be? Yes. Yeah, such a great question. So no, I wasn't like a little kid who was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> public health is for me, but I am the product of two teen parents and my mom decided to go the opposite direction of her parents who never talked about sex. And she talked about sex with me all the time. Like <laughs> from when I was really little, I was very much the expert on the playground. Like I knew all the information. And as I got older, I just, I found like I had less of an, in- not and less of an interest, but there wasn't a lot of shadows for me. There wasn't a lot of curiosity because I knew so much information. So I wasn't seeking it in ways of like acting out anything or exploring sexually because I'm like, I know everything there is to know about sex. I feel like an expert from such a little age. And originally thought I was going to go into adolescent health and was going to med school and decided it wasn't going to work for the lifestyle I wanted to live. I'm very big on work-life balance and public health kind of came to be. And I'm like, I can really merge this like wealth of information and ensure that young people get access to the sex that they deserve so that life doesn't happen to them. And instead you can make informed decisions. I feel very privileged in that I had that education from my parents at a young age. So I just wanted to make sure that other young people had that same kind of access. That is so interesting because I know that a lot of pushback from parents about talking about sex education is they're like, well, I don't want our, my kids like exploring or like knowing too much too fast. And from your personal experience, you're like, I knew everything. I did not need to explore. <laughs> there was no need. It's funny. I like to think of it in a non-sexual analogy, but I'm like, if you're sitting inside a house and you hear kids outside, like swimming in a pool and the splashing and the fun, and it sounds like they're just having an amazing time, but I can't see it. I am dying to know what's happening on the other side of that wall. If I already know, like, okay, they had to apply sunscreen. The water's kind of cold. There's a kid in the pool who's like swim trunks keep falling off. Like it's not very pleasant, like whatever it is, like it's not as appealing. I'm less likely to want to like get across that wall. So I'm just all about being transparent because then once you're informed, like you just have all the information you need. You don't have to look for it. You, I you, love that analogy. Yeah. Wow. 
know. You do. You do. And it's funny that you say that you were like the expert kind of around your friends on the playground because it is really funny the misconceptions that other kids have about sex. I was very well informed about anatomy by my parents. And then I had a great eighth grade sex ed teacher in my school who like gave all the percentages and all like the birth control methods or whatever. But the things that other kids have and the misconceptions, it's crazy. (laughs) It is. That is what sex ed is. Most of the time it's like I'm answering questions that were brought on from some well-intentioned uncle or aunt who shared some information. And I'm like, okay, that's not correct, but uh, let's make sure we get the right information. That's most of the the questions we get in sex ed is just clearing up a lot of misconceptions because they're everywhere. And I'm happy to hear you had really great sex ed. So many adults haven't. And it's really unfair because then we expect them to educate their kids about what this stuff is. And I'm like, I don't know. I didn't have sex ed either. Okay. I'm going to just throw this out there. So like I grew up in the Midwest. I did have a sex ed class in fifth grade. All I remember is being really excited that they gave us pads. And I was like, oh my God, I have panty liners. I'm so cool. And then I remember flash forward to high school and my mom putting me on the pill and she said it was because I had really bad periods. And then later, because oh, I'm this naive, you. I'm just th- this very naive person. You're kidding. Well, you're later, my sisters were like, well, you know, she put you on the pill because she was you were in high school. She was afraid you're going to have sex. And I'm like, no, it's because my periods. And later, my mom's like, oh, no, I thought you're going to have sex. So <gasps> I just put you on the pill. And just like, that was it. We no. didn't talk about sex. Like no. my the whole of my conception of sex was what I learned at church because I grew up Southern Baptist. <laughs> All I knew is I was going to go to hell. That's all I knew. Yeah. (laughs) But like you said, on the other side of that wall were all my friends and it sounded really fun. It's amazing. And then to give another example, somebody that I was very close to in high school got pregnant the very first time she had sex. And I remember like us having a conversation and her being like, huh, my boobs hurt. Huh. I'm really hungry all the time. Huh. I wonder why I'm getting a little bit fatter. Like all, like none of us really had any idea what was happening because we were young and we didn't even know that that could happen because of the lack of conversation, any, any conversation from our parents, because we were typical, you know, eighties, nineties, Midwest. You don't talk about that. Yeah. Right. And that's, what's terrifying. It's like when life starts to happen to you because you just did not have all of the information, that's where it feels really unfair to the young people because like it's, I view it as my job as an adult in this part of the society to make sure that I am providing access to that information and then the ability to seek out those kinds of services to then utilize the information and the knowledge that I've shared with you. But yeah, it's so common. I always tell all of my family stories, but like my mom is one of three kids. All three kids had a baby at like 18 or 19. And I remember joking with my grandfather. I was like, so you like didn't talk about sex at all is what it looks like. And he was just like, okay, Brittany, like we got it. Like all three of them, like it was just a conversation that wasn't had, you know, if someone's period started, you know, there wasn't a conversation had before that, like the trauma of experiencing a period, not even expecting it. There's so much more. Um, and sex ed is so much bigger than just talking about the parts that are covered by your bathing suit. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it feels yeah. so unfair for our young people to not have access to that information and then expect them to function as adults and say like, okay, now you are available to come across this wall and come swimming with this. But I'm, I don't know how to swim. You never taught me, yeah. you know, like I don't have floaties. I don't even know how to get in the water. So 
I think it's really important that we start practicing this from a really young age because it just provides them with protective factors and the ability to be able to build the life that they want to live. I think that's so important. So for like parents who really haven't started the sex talk yet, first of all, how young do you recommend? And like, what do you recommend telling to the young ones? Yes. So I love when I get this question, because I really want to pull folks away from this concept of having like the talk, Mm -hmm. because it puts way too much pressure on us as parents. Like we are just trying to survive sometimes, especially coming off of this pandemic. Don't put this pressure on yourself to just have one big talk that encompasses everything your young person's ever going to need. What I encourage folks to do is if possible, start having these conversations when they're babies. Mm -hmm. It could be as simple as just using appropriate terms for their body parts so that they have the ability to communicate properly about their body It provides them so much protective factors. Uh, If they can talk about their penis and their vulva and explain, you know, trusted adults, I start having conversations around consent when my kids are really little and they're toddlers and it has nothing to do with sex, but Mm -hmm. I know this is a skill that my kids need to practice and I don't want to wait until it's related to sex. So I talk to my five-year-old about asking his sister before he borrows her crayons. Did you get her permission? Did you, I know she let you borrow them last time, but you need to ask again, being able to manage getting a no when he really wanted a yes and learning how to practice, how to deal with that disappointment. We talk about coercion, you know, you asking me to go have a sleepover at your friend's house. And I said, no. And you continue to ask me over and over again, once I've already provided an answer, a lot of these skills, I start teaching my kids when they're really little And they have absolutely no idea that what we're talking about is going to eventually be really helpful in making sure that they can like navigate their sexual lives whenever those may start. So the earlier you can start, the better, because then they learn these skills and then they can practice them in low stakes kind of situations. So by the time that like they get to a sexual experience, They already know it's like the muscle memory is there to then ask for permission to look for an affirmative yes before you do something as opposed to silence. And like they've learned all of these skills and now they can just apply them to these more high stakes situations. Okay. I love what you said right there about consent and coercion, because those are things that like you see kids doing all the time and just putting that language to it. Really, I could see how it would benefit them later on. Like you don't have to make it a sexual thing. You're just putting language to that so that when they do get in those situations, they're like, oh, this is that. And I'm not supposed to do that. Right. Like I never, I I never would have thought of that. And Mm -hmm. that is so, so crystal clear when you put it that way. I'm like, oh my gosh, of course. Yeah. And it just gives them the ability to practice. And it's funny because like you hear, it'll sometimes bite me in the butt. I'm really big on like bodily autonomy. We've taught that from very early and allowing them to make those decisions. But you know, my, my eight-year-old was digging in the nose one time and I mentioned it and they were like, it's my body. It's my choice. And all of the other parents were like, well, I'm like, yep, I, I know. I walked right into that one. So <laughs> I mean, don't you feel a little bit proud though? When she says that you you're do. like, oh my gosh, you do. And it's a good practice for me to kind of respect the fact that they can make those decisions around their body, um, you know, with caution. Cause I'm like, they'll eat candy and never go to bed and all that other great stuff, mm-hmm. but like really helping them to kind of navigate that and then showing them an adult respecting that they can make those decisions around their body 
it just goes to amplify that confidence they already have and that expectation around how other people should manage their own personal boundaries. Definitely. So what about parents listening right now who have like a 10 year old and they've never talked any sex whatsoever? Like where do they start? From the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly. I got to say, love the name Max. That's my my puppy dog's (laughs) name. Uh, Who have just recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. It actually makes learning pretty cool. Yeah. Now, I listened to this with my son, and it was so fun to listen to. I loved how modern it was with a cool aunt that they really dug, and like they dealt with bullies. Uh, My son also enjoyed all the math involved. Like He thought it was really cool. Well, and I have to say, I love anything that brings learning and fun together for kids. I really, really wish that something like this was around for my teens when they were younger. We would have absolutely devoured this on our car trips. It would have been amazing. It's perfect for kids ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Hey, all it is Joanne and Bree here, and we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's understood explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. It's usually the norm. So don't feel like you're behind and it's a lost cause because it's not. I'm all about trying to find those like really easy wins, the low hanging fruit. And so just start having these conversations and you can still have these kinds of conversations and talk about these skills in a way that's not related to sex, just so that you're opening up communication. You want to help your young people to identify you as like a really great resource that they can come and talk to you about anything. So I encourage the parents and the caregivers to pay attention to the music of their response. When I say that, I mean like your facial expression. Uh, (laughs) Are you obviously and visually nervous and uncomfortable with the conversation? If so, There are some ways to kind of help with that, you know, have those conversations in the car where you're driving and you're facing forward and they're in the back seat and you're not having to make eye contact and show that you're like, you're like, ah, (laughs) I'm losing it here. So there are ways to kind of have those conversations, but you just want to make yourself available as a trusted adult. Another thing that's really important 
this is not a job that you have to do by yourself whatsoever, and you shouldn't do it by yourself. So if your school doesn't offer really great sex ed, like my kid's school does not teach sex education in the way that I want them to, we have to identify other trusted adults in their lives who they can go to for additional support, whether that's to ask a question or to say like, I need some help or I'm worried about something. Mm -hmm. So I like to say like at least 10 people that they can identify who they can talk about this stuff with. So whether it's an aunt or a neighbor or a really close family friend or a coach, having those additional trusted adults helps to take a little bit of the pressure off of you. Yeah. Like the trusted adults thing. It's so funny because I've never had that advice before as a parent that like you should totally have your kids talk with other people about sex rather than just you. Yeah. Okay. But 10 scares me. <laughs> like I'm, I'm so I'm a single mom. I have a question I'm dying to ask, but you kind of like broached on some of that, but my oldest, my son is super shy. It's hard enough to get him to feel comfortable talking to his father and me. I can't imagine finding 10. Does that mean I'm doing something wrong because I can't think of 10? I mean, I can think of a few people that have offered Mm -hmm. and that are happy to talk with him about it, but I think he would just die of embarrassment. Yeah, no. And you want it to be something really kind of laid back and less pressure, less pressure for you and less pressure for them. And so really just sitting down and kind of figuring out like, who are these other people who you can have those conversations with? It doesn't have to be 10, the more, the better. And sometimes it's just about sitting down and listing those folks because it then gives them an opportunity. Like maybe they feel really comfortable coming to you and talking to you about like their physical anatomy, but they want to go talk to somebody else about like how to break up with someone. And they don't want you to know about that. And so just having those extra adults around, it can help them to identify like, Who do I feel most comfortable talking to about this so that I know they're at least going somewhere where they're going to get some credible information and, you know, loving support. You just brought up another thing. I wouldn't have even thought about the whole, like, how do I break up with somebody? Yeah. Yeah, All the relationships. Sex ed is so much bigger than what people think. It is. It's so much bigger than just the labels and the mechanics of it. Oh my goodness. Yep. We are talking about relationships. We're talking about how to communicate in a healthy way. We want to talk about, you know, what's it like to get a no, what to do when you get a yes. We are talking about porn. That's a big deal right now, especially with kids being home for the pandemic and then provided access to computers and tablets. It's not a when you're going to, not if, but when you're going to see it. So that talks about so much. It's really and truly life skills that we're trying to teach young people. Yeah, it is. What about single parents out there who have a kid of the opposite gender of them and are a little nervous about talking about uh, sex. <coughs> Brie. Yeah. Uh-huh. We're talking about me Brie. right here. Yeah. You don't have to out yourself. I'll raise my hand. It's okay. We're talking about Brie. I love it. I love that we're like, it's super uncomfortable. And I say this as a professional, I do this all over the country. I train adults Yet my kids know how to ask me the questions that I'm like, oh my gosh, like, where did that come from? And immediately I'm like sweating and it's cardio. Um, (laughs) Understand that it's totally okay. It's a completely natural response and trying to find those wins for yourself as a parent doing this. You can't be the be all for everything with your young person with answering these questions. So the best thing you can do is try to make sure that you are as educated as you possibly can be, and then that you are as open and willing to have those conversations. So figure out what your young person really likes. You know, I have a kid who is introverted, loves to read books and loves watching like little videos on YouTube and stuff. 
So mm-hmm. I am really big on sharing our maze videos with that kid and then creating a playlist for them and saying, like, you should really watch these videos. They then get into them because they're hilarious and they're super smart. <laughs> and so they'll watch a bunch of those videos and then we can talk about them. And it gives us an opportunity to kind of pick out some topics, but it's something where they can get the information in a way that makes them feel most comfortable. My extroverted kid who would make a friend with a a wall is the kind of kid who's going to come to me and ask me questions. And I can just kind of navigate having that in-person face-to-face conversation with them. And that's the best way that they're going to receive it because they just can't sit still. So maybe we talk about it while we're kicking a soccer ball back and forth or throwing a, you know, hanging out, going for a hike or something. So try to figure out which way your kid is best or most likely to receive information. What's their learning style and try to meet them there. But ultimately just try to get as much information as you possibly can. So you feel comfortable and then always, always be comfortable with saying, I don't know. It is the best answer to any question you get that you just don't know. I don't know but I'll find out and I'll get back to you. It just goes to reinforce the fact that you are not only a trusted adult, but that you are going to help them to navigate this. You're going to help them find some trusted resources. And that even if you don't know the information, it's so important to you and they can trust that you're going to help them find the answers. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're, Amy, more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist, and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness, and I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. You know, I I like the I don't know, because you know what else that teaches the kids that they don't have to know everything. No, because at some point they're going to think I have to be an expert in this. Mm -hmm. Like, again, like I have kids that are going into high school and that are in junior high and I feel like they have a lot of pressure on them that they're supposed to know all this. And I love that. I don't know. So that they know that that means that some things you don't, you don't have to be an expert on it. Exactly. There's just no way I do this every day. I don't know the answers to every question. I got stumped the other day. I'm constantly getting questions. I don't know the answers to. And I think it's just such a good practice to show folks like, You don't have to pretend. You don't have to make anything up. 
I don't know, but I'll find out. Totally. (laughs) That was a really big fear. I remember in teaching and a lot of like new teachers, they're afraid to say, I don't know. And I was like, it's like the best thing because then you show students like where you go and find the information. You're not Google. (laughs) You're not Google. (laughs) Exactly. I had one teacher offer to fly me back from a training to just be available for for questions. I'm like, no, like, we're just going to teach you how to do it. You're going to be just, yeah. And you mentioned, um, your, the amaze videos, and we're going to put a link to that in the show notes. Cause I think that would be a really great resource for parents. Yeah. Those videos are for parents and for kids, right? Right. And so we have amaze junior that's for the little ones about five to eight years old. And then amaze is like middle school age. They are two minutes long, animated, hilarious videos, and they are all over the world at this point. We've gone global with the videos and we're releasing topics every single Mm -hmm. month. Kids love them. They are just chock full of information in a way that they love to receive it. So they're on YouTube, they're on our website, and it's just really great. And for the Amaze Junior part of it, there are parent videos where they can watch them and kind of get some resources and information. But I like watching them with my mm. kids and we can laugh about it and then just have like a conversation. Do you have any other questions? And then I don't have to know everything. We're going to put that in the show notes, definitely. And Brittany, you have given us such a wealth of information. Thank you so much. It has been such a joy talking with you. Absolutely. I had so much fun talking to you all today. So Brittany was rather enlightening. Oh my gosh. We were, I, I loved to talk to her. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. little spoiler people, as soon as we were done talking, we booked her for another episode. We booked her again because yeah. she was so like, we could have gone into so many different things with her. And it's really interesting because like she's talked in particular about really bringing up not just anatomy based sex talks with kids, but talking about consent and coercion. Oh my goodness. That was eye opening for me. Eye-opening. And it was interesting because I was listening to Kristen Bell and Monica Padman's new podcast, Shadow glass and they were talking about consent and Kristen Bell said that she had a book for her kids called C is for consent in her house and I like want to find that book now Ooh, that does sound like a good one yeah. We've, we and I don't I can't remember exactly but I mean I know that I've had this conversation about all the little things like even just talking about like tickling mm-hmm. you know where is it okay to tickle and having your child talk about their body in that way where it's okay for you to tickle. And then when they say no to stop, because I don't know about you guys, but I grew up in a household where like, no, I got tickled relentlessly. Yeah. And it wasn't, and I'm not saying that it was a bad thing, but looking back on it, I can see how that sent the message to me that just because someone says no, that doesn't mean that you necessarily stop. Well, yeah. And I mean, how many times were we given the message where like, say it was like an older family member, sometimes a male who would be like, oh, you're so cute, like tickle. And adults would be like, oh, that's just Grandpa Joe's way of saying hello. And like it right. was passed off like that. Right. And now it's something that it's definitely a topic. And it's something I want my children, both of my children, my son and Mm -hmm. my daughter to feel empowered to do. So it it was just so many, so many amazing things that Brittany had to say that were just like just blowing my mind. And the other big thing too, that I loved, and it's so simple for advice. Mm -hmm. If you don't know the answer, you just say, I don't know the answer. And let's find the answer out together. And then you know what that teaches your children how to find legit answers about things, but especially something that has so much misinformation like sex. Yes. 
and and how to find it and go like, hey, doesn't mean that the first option on Google is the best. And you know why? Because this was on someone's blog. I'm going to go to an actual like site that has better information. Yeah, it's funny because like I used I don't know a lot as a teacher because the teachers are afraid of that too, saying I don't know. And the way I look at it is, you know, you're not Google. You don't have all the information that Google does. You do know how to look stuff up and you do know how to evaluate information. And that is a skill our kids and need. And that's a yeah. skill that our kids need. And being able to model that, like when you don't know and how to find that information, that's really important. You know what? I think that that right there, I just had another epiphany. It mm-hmm. really points out the fact that I think a lot of times as parents and as adults, we feel like we are supposed to be the end all be all. We're mm-hmm. supposed to have the authority of everything. And Again, what are we teaching our kids? If they don't have the answer, then they're less than? No. No. Not, that's not the message we want to send them. So, you don't have to know everything. Oh, goodness. So we hope you guys loved this episode with Brittany as much as we did. Let I us really know. hope it answered. Like, send us an email. Yes. Hello at noguiltmom.com. Or if you go to our podcast webpage, there's actually a little microphone. It's red. It's in the corner. You can leave us a voicemail. Oh, my goodness. We love that. We haven't gotten any of those yet, We actually, haven't have gotten we? any. Be, be the first, first one. Yeah, be, the be first our first one. little voice yes. message. That would be fantabulous. <laughs> and until next time, remember, the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.